Alrighty, guys. Well, I'm excited to be beginning this brand new series. It's called Twisted. It's a brand new series. Uh, guys, you know this. The Bible can be a difficult book to understand sometimes, right? It can be difficult, especially if you're brand new to reading it. If you're a new uh, Christian or you're exploring your faith and, and this is kind of a new thing for you, not quite used to reading the Bible. Or if you don't read it as often as maybe you should and you got some you know, dust bunnies and cobwebs in your Bible. And if you don't read it that often, then it could be very difficult to, to really grasp. And, and so with this series, I, I want to hopefully accomplish uh, two things. And one is that um, we want to debunk some of these popular Bible verses that are, are quite often, they're misapplied, they're misquoted, they're taken out of context, and they're misunderstood. These are some popular verses, you know, somewhat known culturally, they're quoted frequently. Maybe you have it on a coffee mug somewhere in a cabin in your house, maybe you have a t-shirt or something like that. And these are verses that are very popular culturally, and, uh, and sometimes they're taken out of context and they're misunderstood. Uh, they're, they're misquoted, they're misinterpreted, and honestly, a lot of these are, are misapplied. And, and sometimes we bend the verse, like we, we bend it to, to mean what we want it to mean. We bend the direction in a way that it would be beneficial for us, right? We would be, like, you know, John 14, 13, hey, ask anything in my name. Hey, that's what it says in the Bible. That means that I should have whatever I want, right? We want to we wanna bend the verse to mean what we want to our preference. We make the verse mean what we want it to mean so sometimes it can let us off the hook or something, right? And so we, we, we want to do that. So in this series, we want to try to debunk the misapplication of those verses, and we want to put them in their proper context so that we can get the true meaning, so we can get the true interpretation of these verses. And secondly, here's what I, I really hope that this, um, that this series does. I hope that it inspires you and it encourages you to pick, pick up your Bible and to read. It really does. So we, because, we're, you know, guys, we're so blessed to be in a generation that we can literally carry our Bibles literally anywhere you go, in your pocket, you have your Bible with you at all times. Uh, there's an infinite amount of translations, versions, Bible reading plans, devotionals that you can read. So we, we are truly blessed. We are living in such a blessed time uh, to be able to literally go anywhere in the world. Uh, you could be on an airplane. It doesn't matter where, what, what country you're in. It doesn't matter what time of day. right? You can, you can take out your Bible and read it. Right? So we really don't have an excuse to not be reading the Bible. So I hope that this series will encourage you to pick up your Bible and to read it. And beyond that, hopefully teach you how to study your Bible so that you're not misapplying Scripture yourself. Right? There's, there's, uh, we have to be careful. You can cherry pick a verse anywhere in the Bible and you can make it mean what you want it to mean. And in fact, that's how cults are, are started. Different religions are started because they pick one verse, they emphasize that verse, and they create a whole religion around it. So we got to be careful not to misapply Scripture. Now here's what this series is not. Okay, This is what it's not. This series is not to bring shame. That's not the purpose of this series. You know, maybe we'll cover a verse that maybe you've used in the past. You know, maybe you've said one of these verses and, and maybe you misapplied the verse by mistake. You know, you didn't quite understand. You didn't quite know. You misapplied or you misunderstood its meaning. And this series is not to shame anybody for doing that. Um, okay, we want to learn. We want to open up the Bible together as a community, as a church family. We want to learn the Bible together. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, this series is not to bring shame to anybody. So let's start off this series first by asking this question, and hopefully this will help us lay the groundwork and the foundation uh, for this. How do you study the? How do you interpret the Bible? How do you interpret the Bible? When you're studying the Bible, when you wake up in the morning and you do your de morning devotionals, how do you correctly interpret what you're reading? How do you do that? 
Now, uh, guys, I'm going to give you some answers. In fact, if you take out your message notes, there's a couple of fill-in-the-blanks there. And uh, I'll give you guys uh, just, just some framework. Now, I'm not going to give you a seminary discussion on this, okay, because uh, uh, first of all, I'm just not smart enough to give you one, uh, unfortunately. Uh, secondly, because I just want this to be a good foundation for us, okay, and uh, a crash course. Think of it that way. A crash course to better to become better Bible readers. So how do you interpret the Bible? Number one in your notes is this. Understand the context. Understand the context. Uh, one of the ways that we get into trouble is when you pull a verse out of context. When you cherry pick verses, it's quite easy to make it say what you want it to say. Uh, imagine this. Imagine I told you, hey, give me your phone. All right. And and I would say, let me let me read through your through your text messages. All right. It'd be funny, I bet, if I looked in there hard enough, I bet you I can find one part or one piece of a text message that can, let's say, uh, get you in a lot of trouble, right? I bet you if I just cherry-picked any random text message from your phone, and I didn't read it in context, you know, I didn't read the paragraph that it's in, I just cherry-picked it, I bet you I could find a juicy one in there that can get you into a lot of trouble. You know, the same thing happens when you read the Bible, and when you read the Bible and you just cherry pick a verse, take a verse out of context, you just single it out, you can, you can be misreading or misunderstanding what that particular verse is saying. There's a context. There's, there's something that the author said before and after. Right? There's something that the, the author said before and after. Uh, beyond that, there's a chapter right, that that verse is in. And you got to read the whole chapter. Beyond that, you need to put it into the context of a book. Well, what book was the, or the Bible was the uh, verse written in? And then not even to mention the historical context, right? What, what historically, what context was that Bible verse, that chapter, that book of the Bible was it written in, right? The time and the, the, the era that it was written in and the historical context. Do you guys see how context matters? Do you guys see? And why it's so dangerous that we, we can't just take one verse and misapply it and make it mean whatever we want. Here's the second thing. Here's how you interpret your Bible. Interpret scriptures with other scriptures. Interpret scriptures with other scriptures. This is another important application. Ask yourself the question, does the conclusion I'm drawing from this verse that I just read, does it coincide with the rest of the Bible? Does it coincide with the rest of the Bible? And here's a clue. If, uh, if the conclusion you draw from the verse that you just read basically negates the rest of the Bible, then maybe you have the wrong interpretation of that verse, right? If you, put a, if you cherry pick a verse and it, and, it, and it contradicts other parts of the Bible, maybe you're misapplying that verse. Maybe you're misunderstanding. And that's why we interpret scriptures with other scriptures. Guys, listen to this. The Bible is unified. Right? It's a Holy Spirit-inspired book. It's infallible. It's, it's infallible. It is inerrant. Unlike any other book that you pick up and read, right? it is inspired by the Bible. And ultimately, this Bible right here is 66 books inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by various authors over a span of about 1,500 years, and all of that telling one story. This is the most unified book that you ever read, that you ever read, written over a span of 1,500 years, and it reads one story. So you need to ask yourself the question, how do other verses or other passages of Scripture confirm what I'm reading? So you can make and draw a correct conclusion. And here's the third thing. This one is super important. Number three, apply what you learn. You need to apply what you learn. And this is perhaps the biggest takeaway that you can receive from your Bible time. As you read, as you study, 
apply what you learn, right? So that you can see the word take root in your life. Because unlike any other book, this Bible, the Bible says that it is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible that we have is the very words of God passed down to us. And it has the power and the ability to transform us from the inside out. You know, a lot of times we know the Bible, we go to church, we listen to sermons, we read it, we drink out of coffee mugs with Bible verses on them, but do we apply what those verses say? Do we apply what the Bible says? In the book of James, the brother John, he wrote a book in the New Testament, and he says this, let us not be hearers of the word, but what? Doers. All right? So to kick off our series, here's what we're going to do. This is the verse that we're going to begin with. It's John chapter 14 verse 13 and 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open there, or it's there in your notes and on the screen. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Now, my, my Bible here, as you guys can see, it's a red letter Bible. The words of Jesus are in red or kind of burgundy, kind of, as you can see. And so the words we're about to read are the words of Jesus. And this is what he said. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now guys, out of complicated verses, this one's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's pretty simple. Uh, and these are the words of Jesus. Nonetheless, like I just showed you, the, my red letter Bible is the words of Jesus. So the point of this sermon is that you ask Jesus whatever you want, and he got your back, right? No problem. You want a new car? Just ask him, right? No what model? Be specific. You want a Mustang, a Porsche, a Lamborghini, a Tesla? Just ask him and he'll give it to you. That's easy for Jesus. Right? You want a bigger house? Come on. Give him something hard to do. That's so easy for Jesus. How many rooms do you want? How many bathrooms? Just let him know. Do you want an outdoor or indoor jacuzzi? Let him know. And he'll help you out. Now, now listen, maybe it sounds a little funny, but honestly, this is the way that a lot of people interpret this verse right here. They interpret this verse that way. In fact, there are many churches that preach that as truth. Hey, John chapter 14 says, ask Jesus whatever you want, so you should have it. And in fact, if you don't have what you ask Jesus, that means your faith is not big enough. You, know? uh, you should be living a blessed life. You, know? you should be living a prosperous life. There are many churches that preach that as truth. Um, just pray to Jesus, ask him what you want, and the great, almighty, powerful genie will grant you your heart's desire. Your wish is his command. Now, there's no doubt that God is a good and generous Father. He really is. And this is not to say that if there's a particular need that maybe you have, that He's not listening to your prayer. That's not what it's saying. In fact, James says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so God is a good Father who loves to generously give to His children. But there's so much more that comes into play when we pray. Uh, basically, these words of Jesus, Jesus is saying, you know, ask me in my name. What does that mean? He's saying to pray. Right? He's saying, call out to me, pray to me, ask me. And so what really the underlying uh, thing here, what we're talking about really is prayer. And there's so much that comes into play when we talk about prayer. And if that's the case, then we want to ask ourselves this question. What matters to God when you pray? What ultimately matters to God when you pray? So let's look at what the rest of the Bible says about prayer, and then let's get to the heart of the matter. All right, we read this one verse, and we say, okay, great, sounds good. Jesus says, 
ask me my name, God gets the glory, right, whatever, and I'll give you what you want. Let's put that in with the rest of the Bible, and let's really see. Let's put it, this verse in context of the rest of Scripture, and let's see if it really makes sense, if we can really make sense of it and understand what matters to God when you pray. Well, you know what matters to God when you pray? And number one is there, it's your relationships matter. Your relationships matter to God. Uh, let's read Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Uh, let's read these words of Jesus. Let's see what he says. Can you guys read this out loud uh, with me together? Ready, go. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. Imagine this, guys. You carve out time from your busy schedule to go into your prayer closet, right? You're about to spend time praying to God. You put on some worship music. You, you dim the lights. You turn the lights off. You light a fresh linen candle, right? And, and you close your eyes. And right about when you're about to utter your first words, you open your mouth. And right before you say your first words, all of a sudden, God brings something into your mind. And you recognize, he brings to your mind that you're holding bitterness and that you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody. You know what's God's advice to you? Turn off the candle, turn on the lights, and pick up the phone. Or, or, or get on your knee, or get off your knees, get out of your proverbial prayer closet, and go work on your heart. That's Jesus' advice to you. There's something wrong with your heart, and you need to work on that before I can listen to your prayer. Isn't that amazing? And before you can pray, before you can go and spend, you know, uh, whatever amount of time you are in the presence of God, He says there's something wrong in your heart. And you need to go and get that fixed before you can come and talk to me. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus makes reference uh, to someone who uh, goes to the temple to give offerings. And, in, and this was symbolic. Someone who went to give offerings uh, in the tabernacle, oftentimes it was accompanied with prayer, right? It was synonymous with someone's prayer. They would bring an offering of thanksgiving, and they would offer a prayer to thanksgiving. Or they would bring an offering of repentance, and they would pray and ask God for forgiveness of their sin. And Jesus says this, hey, when you come to pray and, and drop your offering and all that, that's all fine and dandy. If you got a problem with your brother, here's what you do. Leave your offering at the altar and then go and talk to your brother and go be reconciled to him. And then when you're done doing that, you can come back and finish your prayer. Isn't that amazing? So leave your offering there. Go talk to your brother and go, go squash that. Go fix that. And then you can come back and talk to me. Guys, our relationships matter to God. And husbands, check this out. This is true in how we treat our wives as well. Uh, this is amazing to me. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. Check this out. Husbands especially, listen up. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. Check this out, guys. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Husbands, our prayers are hindered when we don't honor our wives, when we don't treat her delicately and tenderly with the love and admiration that she deserves. When you talk down to her or when you dishonor her or when you disrespect her, when you mistreat her, don't try to come to God in prayer because he can't hear you because our prayers are hindered if we mistreat our wives. So what, what matters when you pray? Our relationships matter to God. Here's what else matters to God when we pray. Your motives matter. Your motives matter. Number two there in your notes. Your motives matter. Read James chapter 4 verse 3 with a great uh, daylight savings time enthusiasm. Ready? Go. 
You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Go ahead and underline, put a star circle, where ask with wrong motives right there in your notes or underline it, whatever you want. Because that's, you see, perhaps this is why we have the biggest misinterpretation of this, of this particular verse. Because our motives are all jacked up. Right, you hear Jesus' words, ask me anything in my name and you'll get it. And you, all right. you begin to rub your hands together. You begin to salivate and drool. And you think about all the worthless things that you can try to get your grubby hands on. Right? Our motives are all jacked up. And this is particularly true because we're simply so sinful. Because we're so fallen. We're so selfish. That the first place our minds race to, when we hear the words of Jesus, ask anything in my name, the first thing that comes to our mind is how we can exploit God to fulfill our own greedy desires. You know, James says, you're asking God and you're not receiving anything because your motives are in the wrong place. It could it be that if you've ever asked God for something and didn't get it, maybe it's because your motives were wrong. Maybe you earnestly prayed. Maybe you really, really wanted that thing. But your motives were wrong. And because what's at the heart of the matter and what you actually want is to fulfill, oftentimes, the greedy pleasures of your heart. You know, it's so interesting to me sometimes that in my experience, this is my experience, maybe your experience is different, uh, but I've seen people pray for things. I've helped people pray for stuff. Danny, can you please pray for this? I want this. Can you please help me? And then I pray for it, and they pray, and then they receive what they're asking for. And guess what? The very thing that they were asking for ends up being the thing that pulls them further and further away from growing in intimacy with Christ. Now, it's just my experience. Maybe that's not your experience, so I'm not putting that on you, but I've seen that in my life over and over again. Danny, please help me pray. God, would you join me in praying? God, give me a job. God, give me money. God, give me a car. God, help me find my significant other. And then when they get it, they're like, God, who? Who's God again? God answered their prayer, and the moment he did, that was the precise moment of the beginning of their spiritual decline. When we pray, our motives matter. Check the motives behind your prayers. Are your motives pure? Are your motives God-honoring? Are your motives God-glorifying? When you pray, our motives matter. And number three, when you pray, God's will matters. God's will matters. Can we read 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 together? Let's read this verse. Ready, go. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Would you guys do me a favor? Underline where it says, if we ask anything... According to whose will? His will. Go ahead, underline that. Circle that. Put a star. Arrows. Draw. Ladies, take your makeup out and highlight it with your lipstick. This is important. If we ask anything according to his will. Guys, when we pray, God's will matters. And guess what? His will matters more than what you will. And ultimately, God will get his way. Not yours. 
And our goal, here's what our goal should be when, when we pray in our walk with Christ. Our goal should be able to align, we should be able to align our will with God's will. Our goal should be so connected to God. that Our goal should be to, to be so connected to God, to draw so close to him, to be so like Jesus that ultimately our prayers are God's prayers for us. Can you imagine being so connected to the Lord? To being so close to God, to being so like Christ, that the prayers that you pray are the very prayers of Jesus for you. And some of our prayers aren't answered simply because they are not a part of God's will for our lives. And God's will for you trumps your desires for yourself. Well, Danny, that's not fair because I want what I want. I want to will what I want to will, Danny. And I don't need God to decide that for me. Some of us are like, like toddlers, right? We throw little tantrums like that. I want what I want. Then I'm afraid Then you have too small of an understanding of who my God is. Because if God is almighty, if God is righteous, if God is holy, and if he is loving and if he is caring, then I want what he wants for me. Because that's who my God is. If God is loving, God is almighty, God is caring, then whatever he wants for me is way better than whatever I want for myself. And I want what he wants for me. And what we should aspire to is to get to a place where our will aligns with God's will. Because oftentimes when we pray, God's will is here and ours is like fluctuating all over the place. And we should get to a place where we can align our will with God's will. We, should, we ought to aspire to grow in holiness, to grow in sanctification to the point where we can pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You guys remember what he prayed? Moments before he was led to his execution, he was like, God, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, would you make it happen? The road is so tough, God. It's so difficult, but not my will, but your will be done. We should aspire to get to the place where we can pray like Jesus. Let's pray like Jesus. Let's be people that can humbly submit and surrender our selfish wills and take up God's will. Let's put on God's plans. Let's put on God's plans and purposes above our own. Because ultimately, whatever God dreams up for me is way better than whatever I could dream up for myself. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're exploring your faith, uh, you know, you maybe you have all these questions. You're asking yourself the question, well, Danny, I'm not, I'm not really a follower of Jesus. I don't know really what I believe. I, you know, maybe I go to church occasionally, but I, I don't really know where I'm at. What's God's will for my life? What does God want for me? What is God's will for my life? Let me answer that question for you with a verse. Check this out. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay. Read this next part. Ready? Go. But is patient with you. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. What's God's will for you? He's being patient. He's waiting for you. Because he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that you would receive the free and precious gift that he's made available for you in Jesus. You see, you and me, we're a lot alike. We're both sinners. We lie, we cheat, we steal. Everything about us pulls us away, not to God, but from God. But God in his great love for us doesn't wait for us to approach him. He comes towards us. 
Jesus is God's solution to our sin problem. The price that we owe for our sin is death, and our punishment is eternal separation from God. But God instead, He puts on human flesh, and He enters our world, and He lives the life that we could not live. The Bible says, be holy. And we can't. Jesus is. The Bible says, be blameless. We can't. Jesus is. The Bible says, keep my commands. We try, but we can't. And Jesus did. And then Jesus then willingly dies in my place. He takes up the cross. And he dies in my place. He dies in your place. And in his death, because he was holy, because he was blameless, because he was sinless, was enough. And in his death, we have our sin debt paid. But then Jesus conquered the grave and he rose from the dead. Danny, how did he do that? Because you can't kill God. And Jesus is God. He is the almighty, all-powerful. And you can't kill God. Other religions, other belief systems, their gods, their gurus, their prophets, their leaders, they're dead. They're dust and ashes right now. But Jesus conquered the grave. And in his life, we have the promise of not only of an eternal life, but of a new life right now. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today, then what is God's will for you? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And how do you do that? You put your faith and trust in Jesus' good and perfect work, not your own, and accept God's free gift of grace. What matters when we pray? Our motives matter. Relationships matter. And God's will matters. Ask anything in my name. Ask anything in my name and you'll get it. You can't just cherry pick that verse and make it mean whatever you want. You've got to plug it into the rest of the Bible to see the full picture. God is a good and gracious Father that loves to give good gifts to His children. But there's a lot more that goes behind it. What matters when you pray? Our relationships, our motives, God's will ultimately matters. Would you guys join me in praying? God, as we kick off this series, would you help us be good students of your word and help us diligently study the scriptures? We want to be good stewards of this life-giving message that you've left us, this, the Bible, the word of God. And this week when we pray, would you bring to mind any relationships that need restoration? Give us the humility to forgive as we have been forgiven of so much. God, as we pray this week, examine our heart and show us all the impure motives. Forgive us of our sinful and selfish motives when we pray. And ultimately, God, we pray that you would bend and mold our will to yours because we want our lives to be for your glory. And we know that you're a precious and loving Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And God, for that, we are thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.